Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Tuesday. A lot of stuff to get into right now. I'm going to be talking about the first 355 trailer that came out last night. I'm also going to be getting into some talk from Robert Downey Jr. about a potential Sherlock Holmes universe. I wonder what that's all about, but we'll talk about that in a little later on in the podcast and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to get into is some more sad news coming from the theatrical release schedule of films that are going to be pushed back, not just to next year, but for the next two to three years. And this comes not from Disney, not from Universal this time, not from James Bond, but what was reported yesterday came to fruition uh, late last night and early this morning when Warner Brothers announced a ton of new pushbacks for their major blockbusters in the next few years. And the one that was reported yesterday by Collider did turn out to be true, and Warner Brothers did confirm it, that Dune is moving away from December 18th of this year to October. October 1st of 2021 and due to Dune moving to that October 1st 2021 slot that means that the Batman will be moving from that release schedule to March 4th of 2022 the Flash will be moving from June 3rd to November 4th of 2022 and because it takes that slot Shazam Fury of the Gods is moving away from November 4th to June 2nd of 2023 and the Matrix 4 It's probably the only positive news that comes from this, as instead of being pushed back, it got pushed up from 2022 in April to December 22nd of 2021. And taking that December 2nd, 2021 slot, Black Adam is now officially undated at this given moment and time. Now, just to go over the Black Adam one real quick, a lot of people are probably wondering, well, does that mean that Black Adam isn't happening? What went wrong? We were doing casting. What's going on with that? And it's not really all that surprising because I think I said it a few weeks ago when talking about Black Adam that really they haven't gone into production yet. It's been documented and coming from interviews that The Rock right now is continually doing production on Red Notice for Netflix, which is said to take him till at least the end of this year. And by the beginning of 2021, they'll get the ball rolling on Black Adam, which made it more of a realization that especially for a big production like that, and especially probably with all the COVID installations that they have to do, probably maybe rework the script a little bit, rework the locations that they're shooting on, the the implementations for the regulations. It'll probably take a few months, probably half the year to get that done in production in the can and ready to go onto the cutting room floor, which will probably take up the rest of 2021. So it's going to be a full year process. And if it did come out on December 22nd and they were going to shoot in say February or March or even sometime in January, they would kind of be pressed for time a little bit and getting it done in a full year. So it makes sense that they moved Black Adam off of 2021. I always say, I think for Black Adam, the latest that we would see it, maybe 2023 at the latest, probably December of 2022, potentially. Maybe it could take that flash spot, depending on where the production is for the flash next year. So don't worry. I think Black Adam, they're moving the train along on that film. 
and we'll see that one come about soon enough for the matrix four it um, again that's the only positive news in terms of seeing it move up from april 2022 to 2021 taking that holiday spot i think you're gonna get fans to come see matrix four so that makes a whole lot of sense to me the one that is heartbreaking is the batman because it I think it's going to plague us now and that for the Batman, since seeing that DC fandom footage, all that's all we're going to have for the next two years or so. And this was my favorite trailer of this year so far. I, I This is probably going to be my most anticipated film for whenever it comes out, whether it's 2022 or hopefully it doesn't. But if it does, if it gets pushed back even further. And then again, the Dune, I talked about it yesterday. No surprise that it moves away from that spot and we knew batman was going to move away if that was the case because you don't want the same company eating each other out on the with their with their with their films on the exact same day so i think to kind of have them eat away at each other you would want both of them to have some kind of profit instead of competing for the same weekends and i think that was going to be the case for if it still were to come out on december 18th and you had wonder woman come out a week later on christmas day i think there is room for a majority of of major blockbusters for one weekend especially around the holiday time but not for the same studio again it's the eating away at each other and taking away spots especially i think for that demographic where some people who could go see dune probably can go see wonder woman at the same time as well so you're going to be fighting for the same demographic for both of those films so one of them was going to move no matter what wonder woman 84 is still on schedule for Christmas Day, but again, I would not be surprised if that moves off of the Christmas Day and moves to sometime in 2021, maybe for the summer if Warner Brothers can find a spot to put that movie in, but the next few years are very, very crowded, and it's going to be tough to really kind of move anywhere as really the market for these films right now in terms of the release schedule for these next few years is so suffocating that, again, you're seeing kind of all these chess pieces move where you have an array of films that need to come out. And like I was saying yesterday, where it's a factory that's really going on where you where these studios are making these films and they're trying to feed it into this machine but there's nothing to feed into the machine because all the all the theaters are gone and i think this was done well before in advance of regal announcing that they will be closing on thursday but this is just the latest example of studios just aren't ready don't feel like the the public especially here in the united states is ready to go out to the movie theaters yet and they think tenet showcased all that they needed to to say we'll just take our chances later on down the, the pipeline and, and again it's just it's just sad to, to, to see this happen but it was unfortunately i think inevitable and i this really is the official stamp that 2020 is a lost year again if if the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back was no time to die, then this is kind of just more of just the twisting in the heart with the dagger that 2020 will be a lost year. And 
again, there's still a lot of films to, to come out this year, especially on streaming services. Some studios for maybe more mid-level budget or indie films could move them to VOD, digital. So there's still some stuff to look forward to this year. It's just when it comes to the big budgeted material, that's going to be well far away until we see something like that uh, again. I think Tenet and even Mulan, even though that was on Disney+, Plus, will be one of the last few major blockbusters that we see around most anticipated titles for a, a, a while, until next year at least. And again, Wonder Woman could keep its release date for Christmas Day, but... I just don't find that to be possible, and I think Wonder Woman will be moving in the next month or so, and I'm sure Warner Brothers is trying to find a date for that, kind of like what I think Disney is doing with Soul. I thought that maybe they could have put Soul on Disney+, and that still could happen, yet I still think that Soul is going to find a theatrical spot, and Disney's just trying to find somewhere in the calendar where they can put it in 2021 right now, so... We'll see what happens. This is just the latest example of the the, the chess pieces of the schedule count changes happening, and it's going to keep happening for, for a while, and I don't think we're going to see it happen right now for the next few weeks or the next few months because there's nothing else. You know, Again, the only two things that can move are Wonder Woman and Soul, but we might not see any more release date changes till the end of the year, beginning of January, where we get into 2021, and if things are still the way they are right now, then studios might say, well, we're in the same position we were in the in the beginning of the fall time. We're going to have to start moving these, uh, these films again. So this is just going to continue the chess piece match until more progress is made on kind of defeating COVID-19 and people feel safe enough that they want to go to the theaters again. So again, this is a worst case scenario for the theaters come to life. And like I was saying yesterday, my heart breaks for these movie theaters. It really, really does. And it, and it breaks for the theaters, but it also breaks for all the employees that work their butts off every single day. And I was a part of that system last year. I worked at an AMC movie theater and I had such a blast working there during the summertime. And all the people that work there that whether it's it's young kids, but also older people as well that work there. And they they, they work there full time and, and that's their, their livelihood and that's their main job that they have. So it just breaks, my heart breaks for those people that live off of the movie theater, that live off of that paycheck that they get and they just can't get it right now so hopefully more relief is set up for these people that they can get some kind of aid and relief and i think that is the big priority moving moving forward is whether all these theaters shut down or not whether it's amc or cinemark soon i don't know what goes on from here but hopefully those people that work at these places get the relief that they need so what do you guys think about these release date changes let me know and leave your thoughts below. And going on to some more positive news that happened in the world of Hollywood. Last night, Jessica Chastain on Late Night with Seth Meyer unveiled the first trailer for her brand new film, The 355. And this is a film that will be making its way towards theaters in January, hopefully. So some positive news, potentially, when we get there, hopefully this does happen. But this was kind of the first major theatrical film that we've gotten a new trailer for in a while. And Jessica Chastain talked about it as a kind of female spy team-up film that we really haven't seen before. And it's basically about Jessica Chastain's character who teams up with all these international 
international spies from Lupita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, and they try to fend off these these spies and save the world, really. And it's written directed by Simon Kimberg, who did Dark Phoenix and was a major writer for a lot of the other X-Men films that have come out over the years. And watching the trailer, it definitely reminded me of Mission Impossible, James Bond, which is when you read the logline, that is what they're going for. And it also kind of reminded me of some of the Ocean franchise a little bit from Ocean 8 with Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett to the great trilogy of the Ocean films with George Clooney, Brad Pitt. And when watching this coming kind of to life it just looks like a fun time at the theaters hopefully if we do get this in movie theaters it just seems like a a fun kick-ass adventure with these amazing women who seem like they have great chemistry together i mean just you can name a big three between these four women from jessica chastain lupita nyong'o and diane kruger or you can supplement out Jessica Chastain with Penelope Cruz or Diane Kruger with Penelope Cruz. I mean, it, it, it really is a, a really major cast. And it seems like the studio and the marketing campaign is really kind of going for that, where when they put out the, the first poster, it is highlighting the different nationalities of these women teaming up for this adventure. So this seems like a, a really fun time. Again, stacked cast. But the one thing that does scare me just a teeny tiny bit is is Simon Kimberg a little bit just because I know what he did with Dark Phoenix and with his writing he's been hit and miss over the years so as long as this is just fun it's enjoyable it's entertaining that's all I really need from this film hopefully it keeps on with that Uh, I trust Jessica Chastain I think she's an incredible actress so is everyone else on this roster as well. You also have Sebastian Stan and Edgar Ramirez who, talking to Seth Meyers last night, Jessica Chastain, that they kind of act as the the Bond men in a way, where whereas the Bond franchise has the Bond women, this is kind of their own version of the Bond men, where the men are kind of the eye candy and they're kind of the ones that are vying for the women, but the women are the ones really in charge. So I kind of like that dichotomy a little bit and see how that rolls. So if it's a nice blend of these different different not genres but these different or these different franchises within the spy genre coming together i think this could be a really entertaining fun kick-ass film that reminds me a little bit of what the old guard was in a way whereas that was based off of a comic book and in a graphic novel but it was still a kick-ass movie a lot of fun enjoyable i could watch it multiple times and i hope that's what i get with this movie looks like a fun time so what do you guys think about the 355 if you have seen the trailer if not i recommend it even um sometimes i'm not big when it comes to modern music but i think run this town kind of fit the the mold a little bit of this and it was kind of nice to hear that song because i remember as a kid listening to that and and i really enjoyed that from jay-z and rihanna so i thought it, it was a good song to put in there action energetic fun and if you didn't know about this film i think this trailer will put this movie on the radar for you and as of right now it is still set for a january 15th release date it was on the poster and on the trailer which i think if we do get trailers for 2021 movies they'll have their release dates right now because we don't know what's going to happen in two months from now so that kind of gives you a little bit of a reprieve but hopefully we get to that point where we can experience this film in theaters it seems like it's built for that it's made for that and hopefully we're able 
to get that. What did you guys think about this trailer? Let me know and leave your thoughts. And then moving on to a casting announcement that happened yesterday coming from The Hollywood Reporter. And that was the announcement that Sabrina Carpenter will be headlining a brand new telling of Alice in Wonderland. And this isn't going to be like Alice in Wonderland for Tim Burton or really kind of be an adaptation of the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland. This is going to be a modern contemporary take on the the story of Alice in Wonderland portrayed by Sabrina Carpenter. And it's going to be taking place, I think it's said in like a carnival kind of setting that's called Wonderland. And it's going to be taking place within that realm. It's going to be a musical. It's going to have modern day music. Sabrina Carpenter is a, is a, is a singer and musician. So it seems like that is the direction they're going in with this film. And I think this is starting a little bit of a trend because along with this Alice film, it was announced, well, months ago it was reported and now a few days ago it was announced that the Cinderella film with Camila Cabello, Billy Porter, Idina Menzel is underway in, with production and that is going to be a modern day contemporary take on that fairy tale story. So I think this could potentially start a trend where you have these major pop icons take on these roles that fit their talents and they tell a a kind of new angle from these stories. And I think that's what we need from these movies because even though I enjoyed Cinderella, the, the 2015 film with Kenneth Branagh, and I enjoyed a good portion of the Disney live action retellings, those are kind of, again, retellings of those stories that we know and we want to see new things. So I think if you kind of go in a more modern route and you showcase different angles of these stories, then it could be something very interesting. And I think Sabrina Carpenter, somebody who is a rising star, it kind of I think she could follow the 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 career trajectory that Zendaya is on right now. I think from what I, I know, I remember checking out some things from Girl Meets World and she always stood out to me. And I think it's because she is somebody who is multi-talented as well. She's a singer, she's a dancer, she can act. She's been in, in dramas and comedies throughout the years as well, not just on the Disney Channel. So I think she's building herself up slowly but surely, kind of like what Zendaya did. And now Zendaya is... I say it, a superstar in Hollywood right now. And I think that's where Sabrina Carpenter can one day be. And this is, I think, the next step for her. And this is going to be on Netflix as well, which she's now forming her own production company, which could get her into a relationship with Netflix. And she already has a film called Work It on that streaming service. So I think this is the start of something with this, with Netflix and Sabrina Carpenter and can help her again, elevate herself and start these building blocks. So I think this is a great film for Netflix because they'll put in the money for it. You don't have to worry potentially about box office. I think you could rely on the star power of Sabrina Carpenter. You can rely on the name Alice. You, I think there are things to rely on with this film that could help it be successful. And I think potentially start a trend if the Cinderella film with Camila Cabello does well in theaters and if this film does well on Netflix it could potentially start something like we're seeing with kind of this telling of old Hollywood tales between Mank with Citizen Kane we're going to get a Godfather kind of telling behind the scenes same thing with Chinatown with Ben Affleck behind the camera as well so all these different kind of trends are starting that could lead to something in the next few years And, and I think it's exciting and I think we can see a star potentially be born with a film like this. So it excites me. It's interesting. And I always love a twist 
on old fairy tales like this. So um, I'm into it. I'm all about it. I think this could be interesting, but it's going to be about the execution. If they execute it right, this could be something worthwhile to check out. But I like the start of it, and let's see where it goes from here. And moving on to the last bit of news that I want to talk about today, or the second to last, the last bit of movie news I want to talk about today. I have one more thing that I wanted to, to review after this, but in terms of movie news, the last big thing that I want to discuss is something that was said yesterday by Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, Susan Downey, in which they have their Teen Downey um, production company, and it seems like they could be getting into the universe building situation that Downey Jr. was just in with the MCU, but instead of doing it with superheroes, they could potentially be doing it with detectives and potentially be doing a Sherlock Holmes kind of universe. And this is what Downey Jr. and his wife had to say about this. And this comes from Collider. It says, and this is from Downey Jr. Why do a third movie if you're not going to be able to spin off into some real gems of diversity and other times and elements, said Downey, speaking to a panel about the possibility and irrelevance of simply making a third Sherlock Holmes film. At this point, we really feel that there's not a mystery verse built out there, and Conan Doyle is the definitive voice in that arena. I think to this day, first of all, this is Bonnet Blanc and Henry Cool Pierrot, Erasure will not stand. Second of all, I love mysteries, and while I am a little cinematic universe out at the moment, I will pretty much take any new entry in that space that I can. I do think that the, the decade of two and observation what we are both able to have with Marvel watching them build out and see all the opportunities was invaluable it was like a masterclass. however this doesn't mean the Downies are interested in simply repeating the MCU formula as Robert said we're not repeaters we don't want to just do what's been done somewhere else but I think the model itself has become much more dimensionalized than it was before it's also having the right people different sensibilities will get you to different places downfield so Sherlock Holmes 3 has been in the talks for what I feel like has been decades, but it really just has been soon to be a full decade when the second film, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, came out in 2011. So it's been in the works for a long time, and I love what Guy Ritchie did with his two Sherlock Holmes films. I thought Downey Jr. was a tremendous Sherlock Holmes. I love the chemistry between him and Jude Law. I liked where they were going with it, but they just it just seemed like maybe Downey was busy with being Iron Man, he didn't have a lot of time on his, on his slate, on his plate really, where that makes a whole lot of sense. But now that he's done playing Iron Man right now, maybe he could do a Sherlock Holmes 3. And it seems like that's where it's building to. But to do a Sherlock Holmes universe, I think that could be interesting. And again, we haven't really seen kind of these other detectives team up. And that could be, be something interesting. But to me, really, I think what this says is that for Downey, and I love Downey. I think he, he's awesome. He's such a good actor. And I will always love him for what he did with kind of championing and bringing about, starting from the ground up, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, being the, the godfather to that franchise. But to me, what this tells me is that he knows look, I need another franchise with me. And, and I think Sherlock Holmes could be that because I don't want to go to back to the MCU just at this particular moment in time. To me, that's what it, this really is saying because I think when you look at what he's done with Doolittle and even what he did while he was still with the MCU was something like, I think it was called The Judge with Robert Duvall. And that didn't do well at the box office. And it, it got... <laughs> 
media core mixed reviews, but Doolittle flopped both at the box office and was negative all the way around with critics. And I think Downey's kind of trying to cement himself as being a guy that can you can go to movies because you see his name, but that might not be the case. And I think for Downey, I think he might see that a little bit. And I'm not saying that he's desperate for work or anything. He, I think he is loaded with money because of the deals he made with Marvel, which were smart business decisions. He's in a loving relationship with his wife, who is a big time producer, and they formed their own production company. They've had success on the television side with Perry Mason on HBO, and that was renewed for a second season. And he's been around the circuit marketing that show as well. So he, he's doing fine for himself. But I think in terms of acting, once again, kind of showcasing that star power that I think he does have but to be a butts in the seats guy he might not be that person as maybe he was with Iron Man because you knew him as Tony Stark Iron Man he would go see those movies but I think the showcase is that the Sherlock Holmes films were a success and people know him to be Tony Stark, but they also know him to be Sherlock Holmes that he can build off of that as well. And instead of just playing the character, he can kind of try to create something in the vein of what Kevin Feige has uh, accomplished. And even though Robert Downey Jr. has done that with the, the MCU and he could probably learn what Kevin Feige has taught him, it might not be that much of a, of a success because other than the MCU, when we talk about just kind of starting this whole thing from the bottom and building it up and taking chances and they just, they somehow hit, that hasn't been the case with all these other universes. You can maybe say the only other successful cinematic universe at this particular moment in time is DC. And they had their very, very public trepidations and controversies and troubles when they were in the midst of Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League, and it's still haunting them to this very day, but they've kind of gotten a little bit of a footing for themselves for the kind of direction they want to go in. But in the early days of the DCU, it was very, very, very bumpy. And you've seen something like the Dark Universe, which with the, the Tom Cruise film, The Mummy, and you casted Johnny Depp and Javier Bardem as these monsters, The Mummy was supposed to kick off this new cinematic universe for monsters, but The Mummy did not do well critically and financially, and it kind of just completely destroyed that version of the cinematic universe. And it seems like the second incarnation has come about and could be doing something a little different that works, like with the Invisible Man and Wolfman and a few others as well. But the one universe that has been able to build themselves up and not have to tear themselves down to build back up again has been the MCU. And nobody else has been able to figure out the secret formula that Kevin Feige has able been able to concoct that warrants success from the very beginning. Because even with films like Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 2, some of the Ant fam, Ant-Man films maybe, even The Incredible Hulk, some sometimes they, they might not be critically well-received. And when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, none of those films are rotten, but 69, 65, like they're on the lower scale of, 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 of films in the MCU. They still make 
obscene amount of money every single time. People go see these films even if they're not up to the phenomenal standards that some MCU films have. So the people still go to these films and Kevin Feige's just been able to crank out winner after winner after winner after winner. So nobody's been able to crack that code yet. Only Feige has done it. So maybe Downey Jr. is able to crack that code because he worked within that universe. He worked within that that brain trust group so maybe he's able to figure it out but it's not easy and and they say just as much as well so i think it could be interesting i never really thought that that these guys these detectives could work in the same universe but who knows but i definitely would want to see a sherlock holmes story with the the main core back together being guy ritchie Downey Jr. and Jude Law. I would love to see a third one. And if that continues a franchise, great. If they just want to conclude this little trilogy that they started back in 2009, then I'm all for that as well. So hopefully we get another Sherlock Holmes film down the line soon. What do you guys think about this news of maybe potentially a Sherlock Holmes universe potentially in the works, according to RDJ and his wife, Susan Downey? Let me know what you think about this and leave your thoughts below. And that will do it for the movie news that has been going on around the world of Hollywood. And the last thing that I do want to discuss today is my review for the Netflix film that came out last week, and that is American Murder. And American Murder, The Family Next Door is on Netflix right now. And it tells the story of the murder of Shannon Watts and her two young daughters. And kind of the... It is told in a documentary-style format, but the interesting thing about this is that it is told through text messages, police cam footage, camera footage from the neighborhood, social media posts, uh, news clippings. It does not have any interviews, voiceovers, other than people talking within that camera footage, but nothing in the sorts of what you would expect from a documentary. And it's very innovative, and it kind of reminded me of searching a little bit in in terms of that it's told through technology, and you're kind of that first-person viewpoint with that technology in front of you. And and I found that to be very, very interesting. And overall, with this film, I, I highly recommend it. And I think one of the strong points on Netflix from everything they have, from television, even their original dramatic or comedic films that they have, their one, I think, strong point throughout has been their documentaries, whether it be a docu-series or just like a film documentary like American Murder. And I think this is a worthy addition to that lineup. I think this is an, an incredible film that is really kind of different from the way that it is told. And I think the way that it is utilized and the way that they tell the story in a non-linear format helps it tremendously. And I guess for me, I, I was living under a rock in 2018 when this happened, but I didn't really hear about the story. So for me, that that's I guess that's bad on me for the point that I didn't really know the story going into it. But I think it kind of helped my viewing experience that I didn't really know a whole lot about this story, even though it was a nationally known headline at this uh, in 2018. To me, it kind of shocked me watching it because I was trying to figure out well, what happened to this woman and her two daughters. Did the husband have anything to do with it? What? How did they vanish? What happened? And then just kind of see the story unravel and progress and the way that they tell it without having it be dramatic, 
while not having the standard elements that make scenes like that dramatic like it's out of a television show like a like a drama and i think it was just it was it was an absolutely amazing film and the story is just heartbreaking and tragic and and shows the tragedy of of families and and the usage of social media once again social media is a big topic right now and i think the way that social media builds up these this this life uh, this image of this life of people i think is very 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 interesting and kind of showcases one thing but then when you see kind of behind the scenes of this family it tells a completely different story so it's amazing kind of see how social media is utilized to kind of perp up an image that might not be everything so i think it was just told very very well the, the story of it it is heartbreaking the way that it is told is very genius and i think very riveting and keeps you focused and keeps you locked into what is happening and how everything kind of comes full circle at the very end so i highly recommend this it's on netflix it's the number one i think hit on netflix right now where you look at the top 10 in the united states i believe it is still number one at this moment in time so i definitely highly recommend it it's a different kind of documentary but if again if especially if you don't know the story i think you will find this riveting tragic and will kind of make you question things again about social media and the way that they tell this story i think is is incredible so definitely check it out american murder the family next door let me know what you think about it and if you have seen it what did you what did you guys think actually think about it let me know and leave your thoughts below but guys that is going to do it for this edition of the sam Bissell podcast thank you so much for tuning in be sure to check out my channel for more content you can check me out on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher radio public soundcloud and much more also make sure to tune in onto the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there such as you mad bro the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis also check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations return on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services also check out the daily grind a weekly motivational podcast with kelly johnson give you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals Along the way, check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter, at Basel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Again, it's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook, at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.